This is The Neutral Position, hosted by Nick Palmashano, Bringing honesty and reason back into conversation. Here's your host, Nick Palmashano. Hey guys, welcome to The Neutral Position. Today we have Jim Horatio Algiers Young. He is a veteran. He is a serial entrepreneur who has done everything from install high-end stereos to make wonderful Salvation Coffee, who is not a sponsor of this program, despite the fact that here we are using their mugs, and now is a cookie and pastry mogul. Jim, welcome to the show. Mogul. Mogul. Tell us about yourself, Jim. Well, he's also the president of <laughs> Durham Pistol and Rifle, one of the oldest gun clubs 1946 in the world or at least America. Yeah, at least America. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some places in uh, Pennsylvania that got us beat by 100 years or so. Just a hundo though. In the big scheme of things, that's a blink of an eye. And it's all duck and fish. Yeah. yeah. Um well, I just you know, I don't I think I'm the probably the least ex, least interesting person you've ever had on here. I think we I mean, all agree on that. But, <laughs> I can, but I can yeah. agree to yeah. that. I'm, I mean, look, Colin Paul, I've got John Reese Davies and Bill Smitrovich. I mean, come on. And uh, Donnie O'Malley's, who's super funny. You're an interesting guy. I'm not going to let yeah. you get away with that. You're an interesting guy. Um, Very few people are even good at one thing, and you have been good at multiple things multiple businesses completely different businesses like you know my my um entrepreneurial journey at least follows a thread it's like okay well i got good at you know marketing and all in order to have a successful t-shirt company so that i transitioned to marketing and film yours is like i'm installing high-end stereo now you're a cookie maker (laughs) there is no rhyme or reason to this so you're an interesting character so i'm not just not letting you say that the you know the the stereo stuff just came about from a love of music, and I couldn't play any instrument. So, okay, what's the next best thing? Well, you let other people hear it and and make it sound good. And uh, I just it was a natural. I could I never really took any any formal education or anything on that as far as electronics. I just liked tearing stuff apart and yeah. seeing how it worked and putting it back together and maybe modify it and i would uh like sixth grade i would build my own speakers at the house oh so you were doing it as far back as then oh yeah yeah just because i love music but i could not play an instrument or just the fact that um my parents couldn't afford it so yeah. you know i would always i always had friends that had old stereo equipment and stuff and so you know, i would take it and my dad and i used to fix you know like you know fisher speakers or stuff back yeah. in the day you know, like take them apart, fix them if something went wrong, you know, fix the cabinetry, fix the, you know, like yeah. rewire it. So that's, that was a thing. People used to fix things. They yeah, don't just the throw old, them away. What was it, the old Heath kits where you buy the kits yeah. and you could build your own speakers or yeah. little ray guns back in the day out of the comic book ads? Yep. Yeah, so wasn't it, was, it back in like the 50s and stuff? They, they came with exactly how yeah. to fix your own vacuum cleaner yeah. instead of yeah. just throwing it out. <laughs> so, so you got into electronics way back then. Um, yeah, back, well, just kind of dabbled because I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I just, I mainly messed with the speakers. And I learned about 
um, you know, the crossovers and, and why certain components would filter out frequencies and things like that. And it just, um, I would just play around in my room until you have like, you know, there's speakers everywhere and then you get a stereo for your birthday and you're playing, you know, whatever's out then. I think it might've been Def Leppard's uh, high and dry at that time. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Very cool. So what led you to the military? Um, honestly, sheer boredom. Uh, we, uh, I, I was born in North Carolina. I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee and, uh, my father passed away. And so we, we stayed for a few more years and then my mom decided she wanted to move back to North Carolina. And, uh, so of course I was, yeah, I was 16 at the time. So of course, you know, I had to go, had to go wherever mom went. So we packed up 30 foot U-Haul. That's a tough time to move. Yeah, it sucked. That's because you have your friend group and everything. Oh, yeah. Then you're the new guy, you know, it, and that sucks. Yeah, they – um, so here we are. We packed up everything at 30-foot U-Haul and coming across the mountain. At that time, you know, coming across the mountain, it was only like two lanes. Mm-hmm. And if there was a rock slide and, you know, here I am because I'm, I'm, the, I'm the man I'm, yep. and – or the the young man, sixteen years old, mom yeah. sitting no, over I get, there. You're, yeah, you're the man of the family at that. And point. I learned yeah. about um, U-Haul puts governors on their motors, so you can't go over fifty five miles an hour. So, I think it was. Uh, this is before Cracker Barrel was really big. I think it was called the Lemon Tree. It was right outside of Sevierville. We pulled over, and I'm under the hood trying to figure out how to get that off. So. That um, so you that took was the governor. Hard. You took oh, the yeah. governor off of the U-Haul. Yeah, it would not go over fifty-five miles an hour, and it irritated the shit out of me. So, and I was used to driving mom's seventy-nine T-Bird, and it would definitely go over fifty-five. Um, we we got back here, um, and I'm trying not to say um a lot, but I've noticed in interviews I do that a lot. So it's a drinking game. <laughs> um. <laughs> So we got to uh, got to Burlington, <clears throat> and I started the the school there. The school, some I mean, it was a nice school, but uh, I went to Farragut High School in Tennessee, and um, which now Farragut's their own town. Um, great school, I mean, just beautiful people. Um, and we got back here. Burlington is kind of a I love Burlington, and I'm glad to have a business there. But at that time, Burlington was like a beer town with a champagne price uh, or champagne attitude. And they, the school just wasn't that great. Mm. And I, I went for two weeks, and it just – I couldn't stand it. Um, they were telling me that I couldn't, uh, I couldn't drive because I didn't have – I hadn't had driver's ed – but I had had driver's ed in Tennessee, but they weren't recognizing it. And I'd, I'd already been driving for like two years because I had a permit when I was 15. So that kind of irked me. So I just go to uh, Alamance Community College and, and get the uh, start doing the GED thing. And <clears throat> I ended up one day just went to the recruiter's office and uh, went into the Marines. My mom was a Marine and uh, – I went in and, you know, they sent me up to Raleigh to do the, you know, the MEP, do all the, the testing and the physicals and all that stuff and um, got all that, all through that. So they put me in delayed entry so I could get my 
um, diploma and then go in. So that was, I was 17 at the time that I got into the delayed entry, uh, sat around and my mom said, well, you, you know, if you're going in, you can just take the summer and, and you know, have a good time. <clears throat> so, okay. Thanks mom. And, uh, we just, you know, at summer, and I remember there was an army recruiter. I didn't know he was an army recruiter at the time. I just saw this guy. He was always in an army, army uniform, and he had this sweet-ass Honda. I think it was a CB500 at the time. It's like the first turbo motorcycle yep, yep. with the gold rims. And and uh, we were laying out at the swimming pool, the apartments where we lived, and, and he came up, and he said, I saw you at the recruiting station. What are you doing? I said, well, I'm going in the Marines. This, this dude's stalking you? Yeah. He's, he's, getting, you army at, guy. he's getting you at the pool, and, man. Uh, That's dedication. He, um, I said, yeah, I'm going in the Marines. And he said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. You know. They put you where they want you. And he said, well, you know, the Army will pay you cash. I was like, okay. So that next day, wherever they were open, I think that might have been a Saturday or Sunday. So following Monday, I'm at the recruiting station at the Army Army guy's office, and they had those laser discs. He popped that laser disc in, and, and the I'm old laser him. disc that I'm was cutting him. edge technology at the yeah. time. Guys jumping out of airplanes and popping up out of the ground, and I'm like, I want to do that. He said, Well, that's the infantry. We'll give you five grand when you get out of school. I was like, Okay, cool. And so I said, Let's do it now. So I went ahead and, and uh, went in and um, didn't, didn't talk want, to your mom or anything. Didn't say anything. My mom didn't really want me to go in. And uh, so was she happy or sad? First of all, at that time, very rare to have like a mom in the Marine Corps. Yeah, it was. Um, so she was a hard lady. This was. She was been in in the fifties, I believe. Yeah, she's born in thirty. Yes, yeah, so she was in um, around the fifties. And she spent all of her time at um, at Camp Lejeune. Mm-hmm. Um, it just the stories. She had some great stories, but uh, she didn't. She did say, you know, I don't want you to go. But it was more of like she just said it, and that was it. And I know she came home one day, and I was I was watching like Gomer Pyle or something, and she comes in. And she said, you know, it's not like that. I said, no, it's not like that, Mom. I'm not. I'm not that stupid. <laughs> But it was the Marines, so it might have been like that, you yeah. know, Gomer Pyle. Um, so I go in. Uh, they, you know, of course, I had a beautiful mullet, head of hair, nice brown, beautiful. And they you took, get to you get to you. Fort Benning, and they got the Floby. You don't even see that shit hit the ground. They it's took my mane. <laughs> and I'm like, I, you know, I was born with a birthmark, so I'm telling the, um, I'm talking to the barber, and I said, uh, my recruiter said I didn't have to get all mine cut off because of my birthmark. <laughs> and they're like, and they're like, sure, kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's nice. And I was like, <laughs> so get everything your recruiter says in writing. <laughs> I was he, so stupid. He lied. Yeah, <laughs> I was so stupid. I, I wish, you know, you hear about guys that, um, the guys now, the the young men, you know, not my age, but younger, where they they had they took lawyers with them when they when they enlisted and uh they had everything put in so they got to go to to what that baby sf program or yeah, whatever it was yeah the 18 they kept program. telling me like i would when i got to um fort benning we got out of infantry infantry school and immediately i got a chance to call home and say hey i'm i'm done and then 
immediately, you got to go to Germany. And Germany was the fucking last place on my list. I didn't even think I had it on there. Hawaii was first. Fort Bragg was second. And Germany's awesome, though. Oh, it was beautiful. It's awesome. And uh, so they shipped me to Germany. Where, where were you and, in Germany? Uh, Schweinfurt. Okay. Alpha, Alpha yep. 230. Is that where the ball bearing plants were in World yes. War II? Yes. It was bombed it's heavily. ball bearings, Hollywood. Yeah, that um, <clears throat> so they you know they ship ship me there. I got there, and you know I was I had just turned eighteen, and like that's the that's probably the scariest shit because I was a mama's boy. You know, I, my mom raised me, and I just yeah, but it was a marine mom, so does it? Yeah, really, it was does a marine. It, does it count? Does I knew, it count? Like I knew not to <laughs> not to do something if she said. Don't you ever do that again? I knew not to do it again, but um, uh, eighty four to eighty eight, knee deep in the Cold War. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, it was serious. <coughs> yeah, and so you uh, were getting there just as we were crushing people in the Olympics. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. they uh, you good know, year. John Smith won the gold that year. The eighty, wasn't that? No, when did Atlanta get bombed? When was Atlanta? Ninety two. That was nine. Okay, yeah. So that was a little later. Was, no, ninety six. Was Atlanta ninety two or ninety six? Somebody, I, somebody with a phone. What yeah, year was the Atlanta? Google. Was the Atlanta Olympics? Google it, Hollywood. I think it was ninety six. I I, th I was going to go with ninety two. Cam, Cam, are you finding this out for us? I think it was ninety six. I think it was ninety six. Did you look? Well, yeah. at least we got a halfway yeah, decent Clint Eastwood 90, movie out of it. 92 was uh, Kim Zemeskel and Shannon Miller doing, uh, I remember that. Cause was that it was, the wrestling? No, no, they oh. were they were gymnastics. But oh, okay. I remember that was the year that they, they had NBC triple cast. Mm. It, was, it was groundbreaking stuff because in the old, like you, prior to, to that year, you could only watch whatever they were showing on, the, on, oh, yeah. on NBC. So then NBC launched this pay-per-view it was pay-per-view and you got three channels oh. it's called triple cast you can pay right over double them right to triple and and we we bought it specifically so that i could see the wrestling wrestling and yeah. judo okay because otherwise you were never going to see those things because they're like oh that's not that's not the hot ticket yeah. in the olympics <laughs> that's apparently. right we want to see track that's and field <laughs> i want to see track and field and swimming uh. <laughs> Come on, so, every event looks the same. Yeah. Like, oh no, he's an Olympic champion and running slightly longer than the last guy, and that's meaningful. But yet, like we, you know, wrestling like a lifetime commitment to like an art form that's extremely complex. Muscle and we're bone putting collide. On, we're putting on like the third <laughs> channel. I apologize, Jim. I don't even know why we got you on the show. Today. Yeah, I'm just I'm just on one today. You anyway, anyway. I wrestled a little bit when I was younger. Oh, yeah. Not professionally, in the yard. <laughs> Did you get, like, lawn chairs and stuff? Yeah. It was always like, I bet you can't take Scott Reagan. I bet I can. Off the trampoline. <laughs> so you're in no, we didn't you're have in that Germany. shit. You're in Germany surrounded by ball bearings in the Olympics. In Germany surrounded by ball bearings. Um, and I I remember the the when I first got there – you know, everybody was out in the field. The whole battalion was in the field. So you get there, the cab lets you off, and you go in, you <clears throat> check in with the battalion, and it's nobody's there. So I go to the – figure out where the where the company's at. And uh, 
I go in this room and it's like, what the hell do I do now? And I, I mean, I've gone through infantry school, all that, and which I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I love getting dirty, running through obstacles and stuff like that. And, and I get there and I'm like, this is real shit. I'm in the, I'm in the damn army. Yeah. And uh, that was the front lines. People don't realize that. So I, and I just sat there and I, you know, I figured out which bunk was, was mine. It was the only one that didn't have shit on it. And, uh, so I just sit there and I'm like, you know, what the hell? So I, I, I bawled for about, I don't know, 15 minutes. And then it's just like, okay, you, that's, uh, that's done. It's time to do it. So I sat there, I guess I fell asleep. And the next day they came in from the field and I think they had just came in from, uh, uh, veal flicking and they had a lot of, I just remember there was a shitload of miles gear all the miles gear so that was my first thing i got to clean, clean all the miles gear, gear and put yep. it up and ready for the next um next time so miles gear for those of you that don't know it's basically like the military version of laser tag so you yeah. attach this annoying equipment to all of your already heavy annoying equipment you know the worst part was putting the and, and like these things are not like nowadays everything's small but this was like you know, Huge. you had to put this thing on your head, on your helmet, which was already way heavier than the helmets nowadays. <laughs> and there were, but the battery pack was on the back and it was like regular batteries in it. So you have like two pounds hanging off your back. So you're already sitting with like, I don't know, four pounds, five pounds yeah, of helmet. And it's like this. So the thing's riding up. And then you like have another thing that's tied to your body, which is always getting involved with your your gear. It's a pain in the butt. Miles gear was like basically the worst. And I'm sure what, they still use it. But what was the little thing that you had to screw on the end of the on the M16? On the yeah. shot blank. Yeah, and that thing was like this big, and you you put that <laughs> on the end of your rifle. So now the rifle like it was such a pain in the ass. Now so everything's kind of cool. gas, so it would keep the. Oh, oh, the uh, blank adapter. Yeah. Yeah, the blank adapter. I thought you were talking about just the laser, which was no, huge. That, that yeah, was the, even worse. The blank so for those of you that don't know, if, if you have, like, military friends that post, like, pictures of them as, like, badasses, but <laughs> sometimes they forget to take off the blank adapter because it was, like, fake war, yeah. not real war, like, that's, that's, like, the ultimate sad moment is, like, <laughs> if you're doing a badass photo with a blank adapter. It's like bad trigger discipline. Yeah. It, it's just like, bro. And it's yellow and red, so <laughs> it yellow, really sticks out. Red, so it's like, it's what's like, that lollipop oh. on the end of your rifle? Or if you see <laughs> photos of people dressed as badasses, but they're always oddly cut off right at the end of the rifle. <laughs> yeah. There's, the a, OD there's a blank family. adapter on that thing. <laughs> anyway, so you're cleaning oh, yeah. Miles gear, living your best life. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just it was just German. Then you find out that, that while wow, the regular army is, is like – what five to five and you have the weekends off so it was like oh okay this is like a regular job yeah and you know i just did that um i enjoyed it it was it was extremely fun um it's like being in the mountains of north carolina and you just the people were so nice um my favorite time was probably when we were on border patrol which was when i was injured and um i was um, discharged after i got injured and you got you got to yeah. tell us the story. Is there like a good story? Um, well, it was. Uh, this would have been in eighty. Was it you versus a Russian? No, you know? I wish. In hand to hand I wish combat, it, yeah. it would have been a Czechoslovakian. But I guess what I guess what, what, same difference. What most people don't realize, like you said, that was the real war. Yeah, the wall there was were up. Thirty million Russians across the border 
just waiting to yeah. come into Germany. Yeah. Yeah, they, um, we, uh, we ended up, there was a cavalry company <clears throat> on, at one post, and it was the entire company that was there 24-7, you know, 365 days a week. They were there. And so we went, and I think it was my platoon went and relieved the entire company, which will tell you the difference in infantry mm. over, you know, cavalry. So we went. We it's relieved, true. Yeah, we went and relieved the uh, cavalry company, so they could go be home for Christmas with their families because so, they've so been there all the time. So you were there for Christmas. We were there. That's a Christmas. tough. That's a tough first Christmas. You really don't. Yes, you know, it. It. I was so you know just so young and I. Me in Germany was way different than than me here, because it was almost just surreal. Because I still was like. I'm in the army. I'm doing this stuff. It was it's a, it was just you know a little crazy. Um, so we get there, and we they hook us up. Of course, we had to go through this training about uh, what we we had to get uh, top secret clearance, and I don't think that's ever been um, withdrawn. So I might be able to get into some of these documents because <laughs> I don't think they ever said that I didn't have it anymore. But we had to get. It typically expires. You typically oh. have to have it redone every every four years. Let's find oh, okay. out. Well, so I'd say. It, <laughs> I'd know, say it's expired. 80, 87. <laughs> I think your, I'd say your TS now. clearance from eighty seven has expired. Give it I'm a shot. Shooting from so, the hip here. I might. They might have a Jim Young exception though. There might be. You know. <laughs> There's too many so, twenty year olds. Yeah, get, if your mom you know. was a marine. <laughs> <laughs> but we, uh, you know, we did did all that, and they had we had to learn about the the. Um, the 50 meter zone, the 1K zone, and all that stuff, and um, <clears throat> the what a frag rep was, and because there were different versions, and the the East Germans or the Russians, they could come over any time, but there was one zone that was in between the fences and where the wall actually was, where there was a police force. I think it was the the BGS, the Bundesgrindeschutz. I think that's what they were. Mm-hmm. They were the only force that was allowed to go from one side to the other. They didn't have to get permission. <clears throat> but for anybody else, you had to have permission or that was a, a frag rep. I think that's what it was when somebody violated the area. And, it, and I mean, the shit would come down because it would just be like, oh, my God. Yeah. And uh, so at first, uh, Reforger was going on, which is when all the – Troops come over, all the European, the NATO troops come over to Germany, and and they do all these different maneuvers as if there was a, another war and all this. So we were in a in a jeep, and it was just uh, a jeep, a jeep, yeah, ladies M- and gentlemen, M1, <laughs> a whatever. jeep. Wait, they didn't have Hummers back? The real have- jeep? <gasps> no, they did not have Hummers. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we're, it, it's kind of crazy because we were. I think this we were. Uh, it was first platoon. We were first squad, so it was Sergeant Marsh. I was a Spec Four, and we had uh, PFC Levine, um, which I have great stories about him. Um, we got there, and and our mission that first week when Reforger was going on was we were to go to different outposts where they had set up different posts for the troops that had came over to make sure there were no cold weather injuries. So, and if they were, you know, we had to check on sure. them. Sure, yeah. There was one, the guys, they had this uh, Bradley fighting vehicle, and 
that it was it was pretty damn cold that year, and they had they got cold. They dropped the ramp, and there was an M1. They backed the M1 up, and, yep, and they blasted it, and blasted it. Yep. So here's their like A and PVS fours or PVS fives. The cases were all melted and <laughs> shit. The headsets that they had on were melted. So we had to report that, and I think we had one guy that um, had leaned up against a tank, and it had pulled burned his skin off. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. no, it froze it. So oh, it, it froze. Like, yeah, and uh, so we're just the the next the next thing um, we did that for I think that whole week we were just driving around, and uh, there was one time we got stuck in the middle of this this field, and you see these. Nordic skier dudes. That's yeah. how they got around. You yeah, know, you yeah. think it's like a fitness program, but it's not. That's yeah. how these farmers went from one spot to another. Because in Germany, it was like a little town, and then like forest farmland, and then a little town, and there were people all over. You just never knew it till you saw them out, and they're doing this. So we we waved him down. We're in the middle of this field, and. Uh, Sergeant Marsh was in there. He's trying to look on the map because we didn't have GPS or anything. You actually have to, you know, get your coordinates where you're at on the map. And he's like, I think we're over the border because where we were at, <laughs> where we were at, it was like little squares <laughs> that were buried in the ground. And we had to go over, and if we found one, you know, we had to uncover it and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and, of yeah. course, we did the obligatory pee on the other side. You know, you got to yep. stand on the stone and pee. So, um. He said, we have got to get the hell out of here. So we're, like, flagging this farmer down. This farmer comes out with his big tractor and hooks us up and pulls us back across. And it's just it was just so crazy because, you know, at the time I think about it, I was like, well, that was pretty serious when you think about it in the whole grand scheme of things. But yeah. at, at that time, but I it's just really, thought, It's really just a just, bunch of guys, yeah, like, just you know. Having fun. More stupid. So Even cold ones. Yeah, we did that for um, – I think we that was – when we were running around in the Jeep, that was yeah, most we did that for a week or something. We had to check for the check the reforger guys. And uh then the next thing was um we met the the BGS at this one little um point and it was uh it was just, you know, pine trees everywhere. You never knew what the oh, snow yeah. was up to yeah, your yeah. knees. Yeah. And uh these guys had some of the coolest shit. I mean they're MP fives, they're everything they're just dressed to the nines and you know here we've got all our clunky gear on and we're we're humping through the through the woods and it's like you know hey where are we going and the guy's like oh we go up here get in the cabin and get warm look around a little bit and i was like oh yeah right so we go up and sure enough there's like a little two-man cabin they put me and uh i think it was levine that was with me they put us in and it had a like a fireplace on the back end of it. They stoked the fire, and we just sat there and got warm until the, you know they told radioed and told us it was time to come back. And never saw a wall. I saw some a fence, but never really saw the wall. I think when you got closer to Berlin and stuff, yeah, probably, sure. But um, it, we just you know did all that, and the the jeep that we were in, um, I ended up being radio man for the last two or three days that we were doing it and there's a hole in the bottom of the jeep like this big you know and i had those mickey mouse boots on but you, you your feet don't stay warm if you're not moving they do you know you're just sitting there and we're like we yeah. don't have time we got yeah and 
and we we get done. Uh, there was one little incident where we got the closer you got to the border, the nicer the German people were. You know, the farther away you got when you're in town in Schweinfurt, you know, you had guys that yeah, they're, to start well, shit. they're they used just, they're used to Americans. Yeah, you know, but yeah, like when you get closer to where they need you, yeah. <laughs> we, they like you a lot more. We stopped at this one little town and something was wrong with the radio, so we had to do a landline call. Stopped at a little at a phone booth. They still had those back then, and uh, we had to call in. And so, one guy's calling in. Well, these little kids are coming over and they're throwing snowballs at us. Yeah. So we get into this snowball fight with these little kids, and um, their father comes out and he invites us in, and we end up having this great dinner with this family. And ends up he was the captain of the police for that town, the captain of the Polzai, and uh, just really cool and that's yeah. one thing i will always remember and i have pictures from that from um when that time when that happened and uh, so we're we're going back you know and and uh it was a nice little end to our thing and i think we still had maybe a day where we're stuck in the jeep and we're just having to go checkpoint to checkpoint and radio in so we we get there and i'm i'm just freezing in the back and i'm i was running the radio and we get back in, and we have to do the debrief. And, you know, they come in. They say, anybody got any complaints? You know, the um, the medics there. And, and I said, my feet are killing me. You know, my feet are cold. I'm freezing. And uh, they get me in there, and they examine me. They say, boy, you've got frostbite. Okay, that was in 87. I come home on leave after that. And I'm at home. I'm, I've come back to North Carolina. Um and uh, then I go back, and as soon as I get back and check into battalion, they said, um, you're going to Wurzburg for a medical board. So it was like, a, it, this was a full year later in 88. So you had recovered at that point? I, I, it, there was never any issue. They, yeah. They, um, they put so, me on so a it was profile like mild, or something. It was like for, mild frostbite. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, it, for me it was. But I think at the time there was uh, Graham Rudman – they were doing budget cuts or whatever. Got it. So they were, like, looking for people looking to Looking for out. reason, And they picked you. And uh, I had – They were like, um, this guy's a problem. Yeah. We gotta get, Let's get him out of here Look before, at those cold tootsies. Yes. <laughs> before he becomes I a, was, a giant problem. I was <laughs> not worldwide deployable. As, a, as an infantryman, you have to be able to go anywhere in the world at yep. any time. And so they were worried about cold climates for yeah, you. So yeah, so I couldn't – I thought about getting that tattooed on my ass because that was on every little document. Not worldwide deployable. So I had my... Um, How does it feel to be not worldwide deployable? I, right now, it feels pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, oh, the so, poor so, bastards right now. They, they just announced that the IRR yeah. could get called up. I was like, Ew. Well, you see, when I went in, if you went in for four years, you didn't, weren't in the, the ready reserve when you got out. Yeah. So guys, the suckers went in for two years. Yeah. But they didn't have that in their Now country, it's right? eight years. It's eight, oh, that's it's crazy. Eight years of, of uh, total... So if you do six, you, you're you're on the IRR for two. If you do two, you're on the IRR for another six. It all evens out. And and why do, why do they even do that? Because nobody wants to go in the army right now. So they go. gotta they gotta find the guys yeah. that were. Well, I mean, it's it's a tough situation, right? Like, what, if if you're a kid, and I say kid, I don't feel sorry about saying kid when I'm talking about eighteen yeah. to twenty somethings, um, because they are right. If you're a kid and you just watched us. Like bail on Afghanistan, yep. bail on Iraq, you know, uh, c 
constant politicking with the military. The trust in the military is, an, is at the lowest it's been since the 60s. Yeah. You think about that. I mean. I don't, um, the, I don't even pretend to know. Like the, the Afghanistan stuff, <clears throat> I don't keep up with current events. I just get little snippets. And I know as far as what I know about the the withdrawal from Afghanistan is everything from send me and just knowing you guys and the shit you had to go through to help. Um, but what what gets me, and it could be the previous administration, the current administration, whatever. I don't. I, it doesn't matter. The shit you had to go through to to even that you guys had to do that because our government wouldn't or couldn't and quite honestly it looks like they just wouldn't because they didn't care the government can do anything it wants to. pretty much yeah so i'll leave it at that i'll leave it at that that being said you know whenever anytime you're talking about the government you're really talking about a group of people so we could not have done what we did without a group of people to include senator tillis to include yeah. chairman milley to include a host of people from state department that that you know, I can't name, um, to include, you know, the pararescue men on the ground that opened doors for it. Like, there's a lot of people in government that allowed us to do what we did. There's also a lot of people in government that would have preferred that we didn't. Yeah. So, it you just, know. I mean, it's, and someday I'm sure I'll name names, but yeah. right now. That you did, though. I mean, it's just, it's just so cool. And for, I mean, we, we, became acquainted because of the gun range. Yep. Um, Great gun range. And the I, best there is. There's yeah. a four-year waiting period. Like, it's I had three to, now. I it's had to three. I had to wait four years to get into this place. Right? Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Took me four years. Three years now. But quite a bit. I and it was it was super random because like I saw I, I signed up for it and I completely forgot that I had even signed up. And this, this phone number calls, uh, yeah. and I'm like, you know, I never answer the phone. I never answer the phone for people that, like, you know, I don't know. Not a sponsor. But for some reason, I was like, I'm going to answer this. This looks we This looks local, you know. So I, I pick it up, and it's like, hey, you know, and it might have even been you. I don't even know. But no. somebody <laughs> called me and was like, hey, you need to tell us within 48 hours if you want to be on, if you want to come to this class to get introduced or you're, or you're being bumped down the list. And I'm like, yeah, I want in. Like I had to like think about like four years I've been waiting. Then I get like 48 hours to make a call. And then it was like, I, then I got an email and it was like, pick what day you want to go, pick the date, went for the course. And, and now I'm in and I've been in for a while. I've been in for a while now, but it's the best range. Nobody, it's, nobody. It's so fun. It's, it's high quality. Big boy rules. Nobody messes with you. Nine ranges, like several, yeah, several yeah. acres. And range nine is actually officially my range. Like I, I believe I. <laughs> Are they going to rename I, it? I believe I own. <laughs> it's no longer range nine. It's, it's Palmashano Lane. It's the honorary Palmashano range. I'm not going to say that some palms can't be greased. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing sadder than when I, I, I show. New president. <laughs> there's the old president, <laughs> but. I got elected in 2016 when when I was elected. Um, the club had a hundred, like right out a hundred acres, 
um, now I've been president, well, since 2016, and we've increased it to about 215 acres, and we're always looking for more land to increase our buffer. So, um, yeah, and I want to put some action pits in and things like that. So yeah, we're trying. It's an awesome. It's an awesome range. Durham pistol fun. and rifle. If you've got four years to wait, <laughs> yeah. sign up. DPRC.org. Get on the wait list. But you can't go to range nine because it's mine. <laughs> so you go to the board, and what happens? Um, oh, I think we know what happens, <coughs> yeah. Hollywood. Well, I did have um, uh, my first sergeant, uh, my CO, great guys, Benny Smalls. I think he was like 4'8", first sergeant. He spent most of his time in Korea. So when he would yell at you, he would yell at you in Korean and everything. So you just kind of got a kick out of it. Just you kind of wanted to make you mad. Yeah. But um, he uh, he went up to bat for me, and he got uh, at that time uh, Sergeant Major Tadina was our battalion sergeant major. Patrick Tadina, I think he passed away two years ago. I believe he was the most decorated uh, non commissioned officer in Vietnam. Wow. But you see pictures of him, and he's dressed up like the NVA with the AK. Um, sometimes he had a dog with him. Um, super great guy. And he actually um, was one that was on the board and actually stood up, you know, and said, um, you know, this is a highly motivated individual. You know, we, we should keep him in. And um, But, you know, the rest of the guys who were doctors and everybody said, no, he's not worldwide deployable. So I came home, and that was, you know, that was the end of my my army army deal. So, yeah, I um I did enjoy it. I mean, I enjoyed. There was something about the the discipline, you know, part of it, and I yeah. think that everybody kind of gets that. The, yeah, and the the sense of humor that, like army grunts, you know, the infantry. Yeah. I think our sense of humor is a little different than, than anybody yeah. else, but no, it's messed up. It's, 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 it's messed up. up. It's not okay. And yeah. like, like as an adult now, like I know it's not okay, but it's still funny. <laughs> still do. And you never yeah. get over it. Like yeah. you're, you're always like a little bit broken. You know? Unfortunately, my, my two daughters are, are that way. They have, yeah. Cause they're like, well, you know where we got it from. Cause yeah. I'm like that. I can't believe you said that in front of somebody. And they're like, well, who taught yeah. us yeah. how to do yeah. that? Blame yourself, father. <laughs> so it. Um, so you come back and, you know, talk about transitioning to an entrepreneur. So, how do you get? I mean, you were you had a big, stereo installation, like uh, you know, security business. How do you yeah. get to that? Imagine a media agency that can make a documentary that qualifies for Academy Award voting. Imagine another that created a billboard charting music video for Five for Fighting. Imagine another that has raised so much money for nonprofits in its first year working on the Classy.org platform that at the end of the year, it was named as only the second marketing partner in Classy's history. Imagine another firm that can cover your events anywhere on planet Earth and provide a compelling series of videos about those events immediately and to your needs. And imagine... Another still that can help your e-commerce business take it to the next level. Now imagine that they're all the same business. Diesel Jack Media. Some of you might be saying, hey Nick, isn't that your company? And to that I answer, can a company like Diesel Jack Media really be owned? Or can it merely be coaxed out 
like a beautiful butterfly on a spring day. As you listen to this podcast that, by the way, Diesel Jack Media created, you may be asking yourself, what's our secret? It's simple. We try not to suck. Sounds easy, right? It should be. But somehow, marketing companies and media agencies always seem to get it wrong. You see, we don't make PowerPoints about doing work. We do the work because we like the work. And if one of our ideas doesn't work, you know what we do? We try another one again and again and again until our ideas start to work. Because not quitting until it's right is at the heart of not sucking. And as previously mentioned, that's what we try not to do here. Diesel Jack Media, we try not to suck. Visit us at dieseljackmedia.com. That is dieseljackmedia.com. I don't think we really had a transition. You know, when I, when I came home, it was, you know, we didn't get a flag or anything. They sent me to Fort Jackson. From Fort Jackson, I got on a bus and went back to Raleigh. And then, oh, it's still the military still transitions people terribly. Yeah, yeah. um, it was like, okay, I'm done with that. Let's get on to something else. Next thing. So I, um, I tried to find a job uh, working, you know, working at a stereo shop, and they they didn't need anybody. So I just said, okay, I'll start my own thing. So I went, and this was the that's not normal though. That's not normal. It takes somebody a little weird to. it takes, especially, you know, you're in your twenties, yeah. right? Um, I would have been twenty, yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe right at twenty-one. It it came from the fact that my mom, the whole time I was growing up, you know, I could I could have said, "Mom, I want to be a I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a fireman," and it, it she ne- she always just said, "You can do whatever you want to, but you'll have to work for it." As you can do whatever you want as long as you work for it. So I always remembered that. And I never, I just, I didn't think about shit. I, I had no fear, especially then when I started the, the stereo shop. So I had, um, I came home. I didn't even know I was getting a, a monthly VA check. I had no idea that any of that stuff was going on. And I, I came home, I think I had five grand cash that they gave me, Fort Jackson, I came home, I gave it to my mom. And so I had like $80 and I went and it was going to cost me $60 to get business cards printed up. So I went to the pit printing thing. And at that time, you know, you had to wait a couple of days. Yeah. You had to go yeah, back not, to the yeah, store. Nothing, nothing's yeah, there was nothing. No, there was no internet. Instant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, I had, um, I, it was called ear candy and it was either that or uh, eargasm, and I kind of thought you know, eargasm was a eargasm, off. Eargasm is probably a bit. Yeah, much, you never forget you know. your first eargasm. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> so it was ear candy, and so I just started going places. I would go to um, Radio Shack, which used to be this big electronic store. So Radio Shack was stuff. the shit back in the day. I'd, I'd give the salesman piece of electronics you needed. Yeah, you had to Radio go there. Yeah. Shack had. Tandy, yeah. Tandy. Tandy Cove, I, I had Texas. A, I had a Tandy 1000SX. That was our first home mm-hmm. computer. What was it? TRS Pro, TRS Pro or something that yep. they came out with that was like, yeah. I think they, at the time, they sold more of those than IBM did yep. or something. But the, the Tandy <coughs> 1000SX was unique because it was a 16 color instead yeah. of a four 16 color. 16 bit, that's right. 16, you know, 16 colors instead of four color. Yeah, it was the precursor to EGA. It was so, I mean, just so cool. All the radio shacks, which were was cool. the precursor to VGA. Veteran Golfers Association. 
I was, yeah. a, I was a computer nerd back in the day. <coughs> and we, my dad and I went to Radio Shack a lot to fix all kinds of... Yeah, it was... It, uh, that, just going to Radio Shack was an event, you know, because yep. yeah. they were at the mall or they had their little freestandings. Yep. But uh, I would just go and <coughs> I'd hand my business cards out to the salesman at Radio Shack. You know, here, hey, if you sell this, holler at me. And uh, I went to the car dealerships and would say, hey, if you've got any cars that you need worked on or, um, you mm-hmm. know, the stereo might not be working on them, let me take a shot. And uh, I would pull – I would they would call me or something, and I would get their car, and I'd bring it down and park it in the parking lot of the apartments where we lived in Burlington, and I would work on it right there and just – if somebody wanted a speaker box, subwoofer boxes were just becoming the thing then. So you'd build That's them. like two live crew was yep, was yep. the big big stuff. Google it. Um, <laughs> so I would I would be up in the bedroom. I'd go to Lowe's, and at this time Lowe's didn't cut your wood for you. You had to buy it and yeah. get it. So yeah. I had this particle board, and I'm up in my bedroom with a little skill saw that I borrowed from my uncle, and I was cutting the box out and. I'd build it and carpet it and everything in, in my bedroom and then run it outside and put it in the car and do the amp install and tweak everything that way. And I had customers that um, – I had repeat customers <laughs> to the apartment parking lot. And uh, it just um, it just kind of took off from there where I, it was all mainly just word of mouth. And I, my mom – ended up buying uh, she bought a house so of course you know I wasn't married so what the hell's the point in living by myself somewhere she bought a house that had a had a bed and had three three or four bedrooms so I'm I'm at one of them it had a nice little uh, carport and I could do my work there so uh, there was a used to be a big chain called uh, Ed Kelly's mm-hmm. and so I went to them I got a um, got a contract job with them handling their um, display boards for their car audio. So I would go in, new units would come in, I would put it in their displays, and then I was their installer. So if they got installs, um, I would do that. Cell phones just hit. People were having cell phones installed in their car. I got the contract with uh, Cellular One. So from if you bought a Cellular One phone and you lived between Charlotte and I think uh, east side of Raleigh, I was the installer that had to do it. Oh, that's cool. So it, it was kind of neat. And I got a free phone, and my wife still has that same phone number because I gave her that phone. But um, So it just kind of took off, and it finally got to where I was so busy. Now, were you doing, like, high-end stereo installs too? Like Yeah, I couldn't. I wasn't a dealer, but um, Ed Kelly's – uh, at that time, they were an Alpine dealer, and Alpine was the Alpine shit back then. For, for cars. Um, for cars, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there was an Alpine 7909, which was like the Mac Daddy competition CD player. And I'm sitting there looking at the sheet, their inventory sheets, and, and I'm like, you guys got a 7909? And they're like, yeah, it's back there. You know, we, we, we just got all this stuff in. I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm, like, putting in the 7909. And sometimes people would come in, and I would be in there. So here I'm selling their stuff because I knew I would be putting it in. So I yeah. could quote them a price and all that. <clears throat> and uh, it got to where 
um, at this time, my mom was going, she had started chemotherapy, so um, she um, was fired from work, um, which they did that shit back then, too. Um, she was let go, and she um, had been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, mm. and I think this was her second second year of chemo, and so she was at home, and Ed Kelly's would be calling me. I had a little bag phone, you know, and they would be calling. We've got another one. It's okay. And I would tell my mom, Mom, this car's done. Will you drive it back to Ed Kelly's? And they've got another car. Will you bring it back? She's like, yeah. So she would, you know, go get the car and bring it back. And I would knock that one out, and we'd both be back and forth. So I finally realized I needed to get, you know, a spot, a spot where I could do space, this stuff yeah. and have my tools and everything. So I did that. <clears throat> Worst part of the neighborhood in, in Burlington um, and it was an old uh, AT&T uh, service area where the trucks would pull. And it was like they had little partial roofs over the AT&T repair trucks. And there was like a little uh, detent where their front wheels would go and they would all sit there and they all park uniform. Well, somebody bought that property and enclosed it. So there's no heat in there or anything. So I had one... One of those uh, bays. One of the bays. Yep. I think it was like 150 bucks a month. Yeah. And when it rained, water would come running through the right. little yep. little wheel chalk area, whatever it is. Just you know, sitting there freezing. You got a little Mister Heater in the wintertime. But I knocked it out. I think I did that for about two years. <clears throat> I was doing work for. I was doing some work on a guy's car. It's who, so it's so funny how entrepreneurial stories are. Yeah. very similar like we yeah. you know we essentially we didn't have the running water through it but like the first ranger up uh bay that we had was i mean it was essentially that mm-hmm. and the first night that we moved in like uh my old uh coo tom amenta and i the first night that we moved in it was at the the very end of trinity avenue in durham if you know where that is a dude got murdered in the parking lot <laughs> i'm not even joking like like we were so excited because we we had moved our stuff out of like the you know the apartment that we had that Ranger Up was running out of for yeah. the first couple of years, you know, and it was like all right we finally have a place we're all at, we set it up, um, and Tom and I are just sitting there and we we like we're having a glass of bourbon to celebrate you know it was like nine ten o'clock at night yeah. to celebrate like hey we're real entrepreneurs now, and. Uh, you know, we hear gunshots, and you know, we're, we're ex-military, and we're like, those are gunshots. So, yeah. so like, we're like, you know, like, <laughs> looking out the door, and, you know, I see out of my right eye motion, we look over to the right, and it's, it's this guy, uh, Rob Robertson, who's a mechanic, and, he, and uh, who was in the bay next door, and he's like, you know, looking out the door, and like you look down, you just see all these hardworking entrepreneurs that have been in Durham a while. Yeah. Everyone, like, everyone's got a gun. We're yeah. all looking out, and there's a dude in the parking lot, like who's down, ended up dying. Oh, and uh, that was like night one of like I'm a real entrepreneur yeah. now. Like, excellent, you know, because you can't real. afford a nice place at the beginning. No, you're like, you gotta, you gotta take it. And I'm there was <clears throat> where it was at. There was a, there was a nightclub in this area, and it was it was predominantly African American. And I had to I was working on a vehicle, and it was probably nine or ten o'clock. And where 
where I was parked, the um, the complex was gated. Yep. So I was parked outside at this time. And uh, I went out. Well, all the people that had came to the nightclub, and it's like a one-lane street. They're right across the street. And you could hear the music. They're partying and everything. And they had blocked me in because they just parked wherever they wanted to. And uh, so I'm like, and I knew that whoever it was was in the nightclub. So I go in there, you know, I'm the whitest dude in there. And everybody's jamming. They're just, you know, just having a hell of a time. And uh, the guy who's the bouncer, you know, comes up and says, what's up, Jim? You know, I put a radio in his car or something. I was like, hey, man, I'm trying to go home. Some motherfucker got me blocked. And he was like, hold on a minute, Jim. <laughs> he goes over to the DJ booth and cuts the DJ sound off and says, what you want you motherfuckers to park behind my man Jim? Get out there and get your damn car out the way. He got to go. <laughs> so it was like everybody was like, oh, my God, they're all reaching to go out there. But um, that's just the way, you know, the way it was. And, yeah. and uh, so I'd, I would, had done some work for a, a gentleman that owned a, a building <clears throat> a few blocks down that was on the main drag. And uh, he said, that spot's come open. He said, if you'd like to rent it, he said, it'll run you about 350 a month. I was like, okay. You know, I sitting there, I was like, I think I can do that. So, because, um, you know, everything came out of my, my pocket. Oh, I, I know, I, I know. I didn't have stock. Yeah. If somebody wanted something. I did you have had to go relationships yeah. with some vendors so I could order, like, uh, Kenwood. Um, I could still get Alpine from uh, Kelly's because I was still doing their stuff. Now, was it mostly cars? Did you mostly do, cars. Did you do house stuff, too? Um, hadn't started on house stuff. House stuff was what I wanted to do. But um, I think car, at the time, car was more oh, popular. It was hot. And at it, the was, it was it hot was at the time. just getting into it. Yeah, yeah. So we, we got over to this um, the new spot, and it was an old uh, Oldsmobile dealership. It used to be called the Rocket Corner. And it was separated. But the part that I got for 350 it was like a corner of it. Ten thousand square foot it had this cool oh, that's, that's front big. Art Deco. Oh yeah, that's big. We could go in there and like do have a little racetrack inside. Yeah, and doing stuff. And uh, so the lease just said designated area. That's a lot and of space, yeah. though. Oh, that. it was it was. So awesome. you'd pull the cars right in. Yeah, we pulled the cars yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. This uh, kid from the um, one of the high schools came in and he said, um, he said, "Are you hiring?" I'm. Because he said, I really like building boxes, and I want to learn about stereo. I was like, okay. And I said, i tell you what. I said, I'll give you $20 for every car you do. And he's like, okay. So he was coming in there. He'd get out of school, um, sometimes earlier, because he had, like, a lot of shop classes. Mm -hmm. And what he did at work counted for credit. So mm -hmm. he's in there. That little kid was so good. Um, and I still talk to him every once in a while. I still see him. Um, he was 16 at the time. And... He always he had the, he had a Volkswagen uh, Beetle, a bug, not a Beetle, a bug, <clears throat> and uh, he had this idea that he wanted to put like sixty eight inch drivers, in and it looked like this Oppenheimer type deal, and he worked on that thing. It was a little side project. And he had it over in the corner of the shop, and he would, was cutting panels and putting them together and gluing and stapling. And uh, he finally got that thing going, and I, th I think it rocked for a little while, but um, something would like I think he had, it's, he didn't have the impedance right on some of the sets or something, but um, it was just so cool because you see that 
that same passion. He wasn't that young, younger than I was in that same passion. Yep. <clears throat> but uh, I eventually had um, I had four four more guys, and every time they would work, you know, I said, if you touch a car, it's twenty dollars. <clears throat> so, and I said, but if that car comes back because you fucked it up, you don't get shit. You gotta fix it. So they were like, okay, we're cool with that. Well, you know, and I paid them cash at the end of the week, and they all kept up with what they did, and we were rolling. It was great. And then by that time, I had companies actually coming to us wanting us to sell their stuff, and it just took off from there. And I, um, I moved from that spot <clears throat> to there was a at so that ten thousand square feet wasn't enough. Well, no, no, it was exactly actually more than more than what we needed. The, there was a machine shop next to us that had about uh, three or four thousand square foot. Same building, but it had just been separated. They needed to expand, so the landlord comes and says, "Hey Jim, you know, the space you got's a little more than what you're paying for." And I was like, "I understand. That's what you want to do." He said, "I want you and Larry to swap." I was like, "Okay," but they got to clean that shit up because there's oil and gas all over that. And he said, "We got you." So. They cleaned it up. I think we went to, um, they used to have mobile electronics shows. I think that one was in Atlanta. So we all flew to Atlanta and um, went to the electronics show over the weekend. Then when we got back, it was time. We had to move everything over, and the machine shop moved all their stuff over. So when you were doing all this, did you have your car, like, all spruced up? Did you have, like, a kick-ass stereo, or were, had, you, um, or were you, like, basic? No, I had some I had some stuff. It was what, uh, 84. What were you running? A, uh at that time, it would have been, I can't remember the, it wasn't a 7909, um, maybe a 7902 or something like that, Alpine. But here's the thing. It was an 84 Camaro Berlinetta. Had the 305 in it with the 373 gears. It just wasn't a Z28. didn't have the Z28. Yeah, yeah. But the Berlinetta was all digital dash, and it had a stalk in the middle. That was your radio. So it was like this, I don't know, four inch by two inch deep. You could put a cassette in the bottom of it. So the thing was trying to figure out how to get a regular stereo hooked up to that shit. So we, we got that. I had, uh, at the time, I was a, I became a Volcano speaker dealer, um, and they were great. Uh, they had some great stuff. They were out of, uh, I think they were out of Kentucky. Um, a lot of stuff back then was all U.S. made, and if it was U.S. made, it was it pretty rock, pretty much rocked. Um, Most importantly, what are you blasting on that? What, what music are you blasting on that? Most common song. Then, yeah, um, probably would have been some Michael Jackson. Okay, bad. I didn't think you were. That's not what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I well, no. Well, no, I thought, I, was gonna be, yeah, I thought, so I thought we were going to hear, you know, Def Leppard. Yeah, some Guns N' Roses, you know. He's like, oh, I was but really into Michael Jackson at the time. <laughs> for demo. Once I got back from when he, war in Germany. When, when he told us about his ABCs, it was as easy as one, two, three for me. You know? like, <laughs> it, I mean, I was, I was a headbanger, so Judas Priest. But He's trying to shop. walk it back now. <laughs> He's trying to walk it back. Ah, no. If it, I'm not if even letting you go white stereo, snake, man. I played it. Just pot him down, Tom. Just, yeah. Yeah, just mute him. So, <laughs> so this business at its peak, what was it? What were you doing? What were you working on? Um, At the peak, 
at the peak. We had no the um, whole business, business, the whole business, the whole business. Well, yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, as far as what we were doing, what, how much I was so, making. So you no no no. I don't mean how much you were making. Like, but what like what were you doing? So like, oh, you, you start well, off with like you're fixing a car stereo. It, then it, then yeah, now you have a bay. Then it you got to where I had at the time. Um, I think we had about sixteen. I had sixteen guys working for me. Wow. Which at this time they were drawing. It was paychecks. Now we weren't just paying them. For, um, it's too bad, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had some. I had some <laughs> great uh, great guys. Uh, one guy. Um, he could sell ice to an Eskimo. I mean, he would upsell and accessory sell everybody. Um, and just we had ads in the in the phone book, you know, and at that time, you know, that was the thing. You had to have ads in the phone book. Yep. And I know our, our ad bill, it was like four or five grand a month. And if I finally was like, that's fucking stupid. I can, you know, do something else with that money than put in the phone book. But. Back then, that's what Back you had then, to do. Back then, that was, yeah, phone book somebody's was important. thumb through that book. There was yeah. no Google. And uh, so it that then you started seeing uh, um, Ed Kelly's uh, started opening up more locations. They got into um, stereo. They started a, another, an offshoot company called Car Toys. So I wasn't their installer anymore. They used their own, own people. And vertical um, integration. Circuit City blew up. Yeah. Uh, Best Circuit Buy City. started. Circuit um, City's dead now, right? Yeah. 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 That's crazy because that was like a. Oh, yeah. Circuit when City when was Circuit great. City showed up on the scene, it basically killed Radio Shack. It killed. Yeah. You're not killed, but I mean, it. Yeah. It did it, damage to it Radio Shack. It certainly changed what they, what they sold and where their emphasis yeah. was. And then Best Buy showed up and kicked their ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, we used to run a thing. Um, I, every Christmas, I would have these signs done up, and we would always go put them in front of um, Best Buy in the little median um, dirt. And it was we fix free installs, and it have our our name and telephone number. And uh, the the local Best Buy, one of the kids that worked for us, his best friend worked at Best Buy, and he said, "Dude, he said like the management had one of your signs in on the conference table, talking about how we need to stop this." And I was like. I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> I don't give a shit. They need to give me my sign back <laughs> and put it back where it was or something. <laughs> but um, it, I never, the only complaint I ever had in 30, 34 years, I still have two clients. I was just at one this morning handling their surveillance oh, stuff. Is that why you didn't bring any uh, oatmeal cookies? Yes. Yes. That's, that's, that's. So you still it. do some of this work? Um, a little bit. I don't do any car stuff because I just can't. I don't have my tools available um, without having to go through storage and get them. But uh, home stuff, I have a, a friend who I used to contract stuff to him, and now he's um, he's doing it all the time. He retired from the Navy, John. You know, he did your yep. stuff here. Um, he's doing it full time now, and I shift stuff to him. Got and it. then, like, if he needs help, he'll holler at you. You'll help out. So you like to keep your your yeah, finger on still, the pulse, but you're I'm not. still interested. It just it got to where customers you had customers come in, and it's like their entire mission in life was to suck the fun out of everything you're doing. Oh yeah. And oh, the I whole reason it. I did I it was it. because I love doing it. Yeah. Great great customers inspire you. Bad yeah. customers suck your will to live. You so know, we okay. started. I started a different way of doing it where. I, I had I had consistent repeat customers that 
normally it was they didn't come into the store. They called me. Yep. Hey, I want to do this. Okay, we'll take care of it. Um, I didn't need the showroom. So I said, we're going to just shut the showroom down. We'll do everything by email. They can go to the website, and it'll explain everything. If you want to do something, you email us what you want done. If we choose to do it, we will let you know, and we'll mm-hmm. give you a quote. And at this um, point, we're now do, we're not talking home stereo. Home, yeah. Home theater. Home, home, uh, home theater. So uh, did, did you guys build out at this point? Or do you build home theaters? We, we, yes. We went to um, actually around right at 2000, 2002, um, I had gone to a convention, and I was coming back. It was uh, January, and I've, I had, at this time, I had just closed the store because it was right after Christmas. We had a bunch of stuff that we did, but I mean, we worked twenty four seven right around Christmas time. Oh yeah, it's imagine. always remote starts imagine. and yeah. you know a stereo and two speakers or something. So I always knew when the convention time came. I said, okay, that's good. That's that's like five days. We can go to um, the electronic show in Vegas and and see that, or they can take a vacation, whatever yep. they want to do. Yep. So we would always everybody elected they wanted to go to Vegas, and we would go. And that was our break. And I just remember coming back, and we were coming back from the airport. I drove by um, this spot that was on the other end of town where everything had moved to by then, and it was available. So I was okay. So I called the landlord, and he comes down to the old store. We worked the deal up. And at that time, I only had one kid working for me. And uh, I told him, I said, we're going to be moving to the other end of town, and and he started to put demands on me. He said, well, I'm going to want this much more, and you're going to pay me this much, and I kind of want this. I was like, uh, no, fuck you. I'll just go and do it. So I was still working at the old store, and during the day I would go, um, I would close up at lunch, go to the new place, get the ceiling out of the way, start painting, putting the flooring in and everything, and I always put a sign on the on the old store, you know, hey, this is where I'm at. Here's my number. If you need something, call me. And slowly people would start transitioning. Even before we opened, they were coming up there. And so I had steady business. And this one kid who, um, he was a customer, and he would always bug me, when are you going to hire me? When are you going to hire me? And uh, I just, you know, I don't need anybody. And uh, so I got to the the new store had it open and going and I was still just one man in it at the time and I was frazzled I had like we had three bays there was two cars at each bay and then there was a couple in the parking lot and I just was sitting there all night and I had I think I needed like a Makita drill battery or something so I went to Sears that was still open <laughs> and uh, um, that kid worked in there and I was getting a Makita battery, and he said, um, so when are you going to hire me? I said, right now, you want to come? And he's like, it took him like a couple seconds. He was like, yeah. And uh, so he rung up the battery and everything, and he turned around, and his boss was over by him. He said, I quit. And he came on over, and so he worked for me for 12 years. Wow. Just like Jerry he, Maguire. Yeah. <laughs> he's, Who's coming with me? Yeah. He, Who's um, coming with me? He's actually, um, he started his own thing, and he's actually in my old spot. Oh, cool. I, um, on 
North Church. Very cool. So um, I was right, still we, doing it. Still had the shop after yep. after Brian left. I was still still doing it. Had another kid. Um, he did a bunch of high end stuff. He was going all over the country doing stuff for um, this big uh, chain high end. Um, place. So do you have a nice setup at home? Like, do you run like a nice setup at home? I had a, um, had a nice, um, you know, flat screen and a um, 7.1 surround. Yep. But by the time I got home, you know, it's time for bed. So we're just going to bed. I never really, it's like, I don't have a coffee maker at home either. Yeah. I do, but it's in, it's put up. So like I, I, I used, you know, I used to be an audiophile. Like I had like a real nice setup in the house and then I had kids. Yeah. That was my, that, it was like, yeah. you know, but I, I actually want to get back to that again. So like at my peak, I was running uh, B&K separates. Yeah. I don't know if you remember them. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're still around, but they were, they were pretty I awesome back in the day. I think they are. So I was running B&K uh, separates and I was, uh, uh, I had uh, definitive audio. Yep all the way around i know they're still around i don't know if they're still good but at the time i think it's definitive technologies yeah definitive now. technology yep. yeah and they're they're owned by directed electronics which did the viper alarms and all that stuff yeah it's all china are they still oh it's all china all now china. who's good now um being uh being uh bmw bowers and wilkins um it's hard to remember because i don't keep up i did get some nice uh, clips speakers that are where I roast coffee at. Yeah, and they they bang. Clips has always been good. I I had some clips for a while. Yeah, but the definitives crushed them back in the day. Yeah, I mean they really. But there also is a different price point. Like, yeah, but that was when I was a was a single man and yeah. and didn't have a care the, in the world and. I had a turntable, but I didn't really use it much in you know yeah. in the nineties because yeah. nobody yeah, nobody, nobody did. used it. Yeah, but I for me it was it was it was it definitely was about music, but it was more about movies. Like I, yeah, you know, so like my test, my test. Anytime I was testing equipment, I thought the the music CD I liked to test was the uh, the Eagles uh, when they came out with the remastered set. If you remember that, because uh, they it, came out, and it was in DTS audio. Uh, that's DTS right. DTS audio, yes, too. Sir. So yes, sir. Five point one audio. So surround. that's so yeah. that's why I used that. I used that for testing audio, and then for sound, I used Blade and Top Gun. Blade mm -hmm. because it opened heavy with that uh, that club scene. Yeah. But also, blood, but also there was the breaking glass and all that. So the treble would really would get isolated yeah and then top gun just because the plane's taken oh, yeah. off like it, if, oh. if the room felt like the plane was there then it was it was doing its job and if yeah. it didn't I'll, i think my main well for for sound <clears throat> i would in a car i always put um uh, bob dylan uh infidels hmm. i think it was infidels whichever one had the joker man on it because there was something about Joker Man <clears throat> that I could listen to it, and I'd have to put it on repeat. And when we when we did a car, you would sit in the car, and you always wanted the music to sound like you were at the stage, and you could hear the the guitar player, the singer moving from one side to the yes, other. Yes, yes. So you close your eyes and you sit there and you listen to it. And Joker Man wasn't a live one, 
but there was just something about when he started singing in that first intro where the drums hit and it it goes from it one side to the other the, yeah. and i would just sit there and just kept hitting it started over and, yeah. and it just worked yeah and everybody thought i was weird they're like why are you why are you listening i said i don't know at just how i do it but we at that time we were fortunate um there's a gentleman richard clark who is i think he's one of the top 100 audio engineers of all time mm. he's actually in the book and he's from burlington um now he does grand nationals that's all he does Buick grand nationals but at the time he started uh auto sound 2000 stiffening capacitors you know the big yep things well he he started all that using them for cars and he um his company came out with some uh test discs and they would go like they had some really oh, I remember. high-end records i remember and he went yeah. to indy and was yep. recording the yep. cars coming through and yep and the notes would tell you, okay, you're going to be approaching this pit, and you're going to hear these guys talking over here in this yep. left do you, channel. And do you think – so my feeling is that once we went to streaming, sound quality went down. I don't think it's – well, I think what caused sound quality to go down is the iPod because it was earphones, and yep. nobody gave a shit about sound quality after yeah. that. It was always – can you figure out a way to get my iPod hooked into my stereo? And uh, it's like, yeah. So I guess streaming probably because it, it was the compression thing. Yeah. And uh, then I think Apple came out with Lawless or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Still sounded like dog shit compared to it a good it's CD. It's not as good as a CD. No. Yeah, it's not. It just um, doesn't. And even a record, a CD doesn't have the, the warmth of a record. Yep. But... Um, I mean, they're getting pretty close now. With you know, everything's improved. It it, it has improved, but it it like I do miss. It. Like my kids are now old enough. Yeah. Because you know, I remember when I had toddlers and they're like grubby hands and they're like rubbing them on the mesh of the definitive technology yeah. speaker and like you can't be mad at the kid. Yeah. And I wasn't, you know, but but at the same time, you're dying inside. You're like, oh, yeah. oh god, no. that's. That's that's thirty five hundred dollars, yeah. you know, like it's, the, like it's so cool. We, it, just the we had, um, I did probably more high end cars than high end audio. Um, money wise, I did a lot of houses where we did whole house sound, hmm. um, where it was everywhere. And one of my clients, I still have now. Every time he buys a property, I always know. He's going to call speakers you. everywhere. He wants TVs and he wants it just loud as shit wherever he's at. So it's, that's cool. It's pretty neat. Yeah, that's they, cool. Um, it's on the list. So my wife and I love movies. I, you know, yeah. me especially. And at some point we want to do a room up in the house that is like for us and not for, mm. yep. you know, so that's well, at the, at the coffee you. shop where the couches are was our home theater, our demo room. And it was oh. 7.1 surround. Uh, we had True Audio um, Veritas uh, on the sides and rear, and I think we were using Dyn Audios up front. Do you do you think in-wall speakers can compare to standalone towers? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, depending on what it is. The last home theater I did, <clears throat> there was a true home theater, 
we used Atlantic Technologies, and it was a oh, THX. They, they, they do a nice job. I think it was. They do a nice job. It was a nine, nine point one, um, and I, I, the last thing I did was like they when they came in, they had a decorator come in, and I think she, I don't know what she was doing, but she came in and she put the grills back up on the speakers. Mm-hmm. Well, the theater's dark. Nobody is going to hit those speakers where they're at, and I'm coming in to do my maintenance thing on it and the first thing i do is pull those grills off because you gotta see the speakers they're just they're beautiful. gorgeous yeah yeah and are uh, they the ones with the gold on it um i these are all i can't remember them all because it's been god 20 it's been 12 years since we did this um all black but it's the thx um they're about this big the side channels are about this big and they're dipoles so you got one firing this way set firing this way set firing this way and in the back um had the same and then the rear rear center um two uh uh 15 inch subs the room's not not that big where the home theater is Hmm. um speaker was acoustic the screens acoustically transparent so we had the same set in the center channel behind the screen and it just killed it Uh, you put um Gladiator, the Unleashed yeah, Hell yeah, 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 part yeah. where he's, it's just yeah. so cool. Or, um, all right, we got to fast forward. Commander. We got to fast forward because, let's do it. So, you leave all that and start, not leave it because you're still, you still have one toe yeah. in the door, but Salvation Coffee. How, how do you go from electronics to Salvation Coffee? Um, well, I don't, you know, I'd acquired my, my, taste for coffee in Germany um, just you know you had weekends off if you weren't out in the field or training or something and um, you go down and it's the stereotypical European town everybody's at the little bakery they're sipping out sipping their espresso or their cappuccino yep, out of yep. their little cups um, and I always wondered so well, I experienced espresso and cappuccino there and I had one of the things I'd always wanted to do, I thought it'd be cool to have like a jazz bar or something mm-hmm. like that. Said, so, well, we would serve liquor at night and in the mornings we would just have like cool jazz and coffee, you know, people, poetry or some yeah. shit like that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, that, that, you know, never came to be or anything. And, and the, there's still time. The, the part Burlington where Burlington needs a jazz yeah. bar <laughs> we slash were, poetry shop. We were at the, um, at the, uh, the stereo shop, and I had closed off the front where, you know, we didn't take walk-ins or anything. We still had the back, and it, it was just – I just happened to be up front for something, and the door was open. And somebody comes in, and it's some little kid. You know, they ask you a question, and I don't mind somebody coming in and asking me a question. And I, I answer it as best I could. You know, it was like – Something about, do you think this amp will be good in here and here? And, you know, and when you answer it, they want to argue with you. It's like, oh, you didn't come in to ask me a question. You just came in to argue. So I was like, you know, I, I can't do anything for you. And so I, I chased him out of the store and locked up. And it was right then I was like, I do not enjoy doing this shit anymore. I mm. do not like it. Yep. And uh, so I, I wanted something, some little side hustle to maybe – take my mind off of that where I would still be able to keep doing it because I was making money. I enjoyed it <clears throat> sometimes. You enjoyed parts of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, get, I get it. And uh, so 
I thought, um, you know, I, I liked coffee and I was, I, you know, I always had coffee every morning. And so I wanted to look into roasting beans and um, there was a local roaster and I went and talked to him and I saw his little machine and everything and I started looking it up and I was like, well, the machine's not that expensive. And so I thought, well, maybe I can do this. So I would buy green beans and I would, you know, I did a little homework checking what were the, the some good good beans to buy and I asked this guy to roast them for me and he roasted them and I told him how I wanted, how I thought I wanted them roasted and uh, with what little knowledge I knew about roasting coffee beans and I called Roastar, which is the company that makes the bags and stuff, ordered like a case of the bags, their, whatever their minimum order was, it was 1500 bucks and had the bags so I'm at the house had this coffee this guy had roasted for me and I'm putting in the bags had labels printed with the name of the coffee this was uh, the Speed Freak which we still have at the shop and uh, I was giving it to people and um, they liked it and they were like hey Jim can we get some more of that coffee and uh, it's like sure so I thought you know maybe I could do this so I um, wanted to get a roaster and start roasting my own. I asked the guy that had roasted them for me, you know, hey, I'm going to try and sell this online. Would you would you roast some more for me? He's like, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. I said, okay, you know, fine. So I call. I'm at the shop. I'm looking around the front area, and uh, I'm like, I can put a roaster in here, but what if I wanted people to come and sample our roast? I could brew some coffee for them. What would I need to do? So I called the city. If I wanted to do this, what would I have to do? They said you've got to you've got to put in a bathroom up front. And I was like, well, that plumbing is the most expensive damn thing you'd have to do. Sure. So I went home and told my wife. I said we're going to open up a coffee shop at the front of the store. She's like, okay. So I just started doing it, and um, that was uh, January. That was um, either November or December of 2017. And January 1st of 2018, I um, filed the incorporation, LLC, all that, and uh, um, started the trademark for the name and, and everything. And just started hustling on getting yeah. that front front room done yeah. while I was still doing work in the back for customers. And at, it just kind of took off. And I had no idea about coffee. I just started reading everything I could. You know, at this time, you have Google now. Yeah. Um, and just started Googling. And it, but I've never been like, well, I've went to a class on that. I know how to do that. You never know until, until you've you got it. your you gotta, hands yeah, on it. You you're gotta, doing it. you got to do it. And but for those of you that don't know, right, which is probably almost every one of you, um, Jim makes some real gourmet shit. Like it is very good coffee. Um, everything you know, everything about it is like artisan, uh, artisan <laughs> level. And the cool thing I think about Salvation Coffee is when you walk in there, you realize that everything just about in the shop is salvaged. So he's fixed it. He's bought it, fixed it. Um, anything from like the art on the walls, some of it is like salvaged from like. Uh, uh, sports arenas and 
He's um, got the scoreboard. Scoreboard. Yeah. There's really cool stuff in there, and it's got a it's got a, a good vibe. Um, but you're right, though. You, until yeah, you do something, like you can think you know. Yeah. You can, you can think, read all about you it. You can think you can read about it. You <laughs> can watch videos. You can do, but like you, when you're actually doing the thing, it's very different. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's something that is lost, especially with schooling. Like, you know, I have an MBA. My MBA did jack shit for any of my entrepreneurial <laughs> endeavors. Like yeah. literally no value other than back when banks could actually make decisions on their own without yeah. following every rule. The fact that I had an MBA from Duke uh, basically got me to yes on my first business loan. Yeah, it's just <clears throat> the you know you you can plan and plan and plan and plan, and before you know it, you've you spent your entire time that you could have been working on this yep. thing, physically working on it, and Joe Dickhead down the road's already beat your ass to it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, what the yeah. hell am I going to do now? Yeah, what am I going to do? Yeah. It's, and it's, it goes it, back to Marine Mom. She never, you know, you just got to work for it. Yeah, you got to work for it, and it's not going to be fair. No. You know, no, so like, no, you know, with, with Ranger Up, one of the things that, like, it, it used to drive me nuts at first, and then I just accepted it. We would come out, you know, we were the first on the scene. We had about two years before Grunt Style showed up. And then a few more years before a lot of people started yeah. showing up. Mm -hmm. Well, so like we'd come out with a new, like a, a concept no one else had. It would start doing well. And then everyone would have that. Everyone would copy it, you yeah. know? And it's like, at first I used to reach out to business owners and kind of argue it. And, you know, like, yeah. And then it's like, wait, like at some point you just realize like, you're not, you're not suing them. Yeah. You're not, I don't even know what you're, you know, like, Trademark, copyright, it's all very nebulous. Trademark is pretty clear, but copyright is very nebulous. You're not, yeah. you know. So, like, you just have to accept the fact that the idea that it's you have, happen. the IP that you create is going to be good for a few weeks, a few months, yeah, and then someone's going to gonna copy it almost exactly, and that's Especially the Especially if you business. tell everybody about it before you do it. Oh, before you do it, you're screwed. Yeah, yeah be, keep your... Whatever you're doing, keep it quiet until you're doing it. Yeah, it, I, I will say the <clears throat> the business gym is kind of an asshole, but there was a the more guy, of an asshole than the regular gym. Yeah, the, <laughs> damn the dude that was roasting my coffee for me when I first decided to get into it. They had announced that they were opening up a shop, which was mm. going to be right across the street from us, and I'd already started working, you know, but I hadn't hadn't said anything. I just started doing it, and. Uh, so I saw their big announcement. I was like, oh, okay, I know when I need to be open, which is before him. And also, did this guy um, happen to get a website with his shop name? And does he own that URL or anything? <laughs> well, no, he doesn't. So if you type in his name, it goes right to my website. So, you know, I am an asshole, but hey, <laughs> you don't ever <laughs> tell somebody what you're name of your company is going to be or your product before you've <laughs> locked that Jim shit down. The That's cold, Jim. I don't That's care. Really That's cold. cold. That's some that that right is some there. Gordon Gecko <laughs> shit. Right there. I'm not telling Jim shit. Hey, don't tell him about any of our projects. <laughs> this guy might get in the so, movie making business. No. It's as cold as your cold brew, Jim. So, <laughs> so we, you know, we did, we did get open before them. Yeah. Um, did they open? 
They did. Yeah, they're still open. Um, I think oh. they've changed owners oh, well, maybe that's twice. Um, so you have a you have the competition right across the street. Competition right across. The street. I haven't even seen them, and I've been to your no, shop. Salvation Coffee. Coffee. Salvation Coffee is very there's, good. There's a difference because I I think we're kind of the anti the anti cafe because you don't when you come in it's not a drop ceiling all white like a dentist office and you've got this light wood finish everywhere. Yeah. Um, no, it's a cool vibe. It's it's, it's almost just dark. It al- to me, it almost has like a like a fifties diner vibe. Eh. I know that would bother you, I <laughs> but that's kind of the vibe. It is kind of hard to to say what it is, but yeah. everybody seems to like it. No, it's a cool and, vibe, and it attracts yeah cool people like Tom, like Thomas Aquinas Hunt, yeah. who goes there all the time, and and your staff <laughs> seems to love. It feels like a, a workshop, a little more because things yeah. it, it's. It's like it's very nice. Like, oh, these tables are nice. And then you look closer, and you're like, oh, they're actually made of like actual yeah, rough materials, and, and it's real wood. Time. Yeah. So did you get the uh, baseball scoreboard? Um, Stole it from a baseball stadium. Right? <laughs> yeah. He yeah. heard a, he heard a baseball stadium <laughs> bar, was being built. Bar was, be, was being crane. built, and while they were building it, he snuck in and stole it. I'm still That's waiting close. for I you have to a do whole the other. Perspective on you now, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Trying to just sorry, man. Sorry. Yeah. I still business. want you to to buy another space and call it Damnation Bar. Okay. The Salvation Coffee and Damnation Bar. But we uh, do a franchise. That's actually was, pretty good. The, <laughs> the scoreboards were from the prior, you know, from my stereo stuff, where we got into uh, the Salvation part was actually what we were going to call our. Um, I was building furniture, <clears throat> and. So we were like, okay, maybe we could do a little furniture company. So I started, it was going to be called the Salvation Company. And my client, at the time, I was building a, um, we built a ping pong table for him. Um, and then he. Which uh, had in a, Chinese is ping pong. Ping pong. <laughs> and so we, we got. <laughs> he, he ended up buying a um, an airplane and got a hangar, and he wanted all the stuff put in the hangar, and he wanted a pool table. So I said, "Okay, great, I'll build you a pool table." So after I say I'll build you, how a pool many table, pieces of slate did you use? Um, did you I think this is two, two. Well, that's I think good. it was a two piece. It's pretty good. Because um, the trick is you buy an existing pool table and then you just uh, take uh, it apart. Yeah. So I built the pool table. It's NC State red felt. Um, and then the body uh, looks like it's made from airplane parts. It's all aluminum. Oh, that's cool. That I formed and I riveted everything together. And the bar at Salvation is made from the rivets. At the time, I was going to do aluminum, but the aluminum looked like shit. So I called my buddy, Tim, hey, I need some copper. And he has a um, salvage yard. So when we're down there getting the copper... He had we're we're standing on this stuff and it kept wobbling. I looked down and it's like a scoreboard. And I said, Tim, what do you want for the scoreboard? And he said, you know, put a radio in my truck. So I put a radio in his truck for this big ass scoreboard. And when we moved the big scoreboard, the little scoreboard was under it. And he said, Go and take it too. So I got him. The little scoreboard is what's above the bar now, and I yeah. lit it up to where it says coffee. The big one will go into a second location probably if we ever decide to do that um it's got to be right yes i'm mm-hmm. not we were we were real busy when we first opened 
and and it was great. But I'm not the type to say, "Oh my God, this is going gangbuster. We need to open six more all over yeah. the place." Yeah, yeah. Because um, it'll be away from us. We're not going to have it two blocks down because we're just taking money money out of our own pocket. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I still, I'm still learning about coffee every day. I wish I had started it before, because with the stereo stuff, if I made somebody mad with ear candy. I didn't give a shit. I was like, you know, we'll go somewhere else and have them do it. I'll see you later on when you want somebody to fix it. And I could have that attitude because we were we were good at what we did. Yeah. And my only complaint was I was too expensive, and I was happy with that. Um, with the coffee thing, it's more social. Um, the people you meet, so many interesting people with, with the coffee shop. And it's so cool, and, and just the love is, is – is there and you can tell people are having a good time um the people that work for us are having a great time mm-hmm. um we cook for them sunday carrie comes in she cooks for all of them on sundays so you've got these young kids fighting over who works on sunday so they yeah. can get fed and everything it, no it, i mean great. it's a it's a great place it's a great vibe congratulations on all your success even yeah, if it, it's even if crazy. it came at the the head of the people that you <laughs> chopped off across have, the street i think so, they call it imposter syndrome where it's it's i don't think i've done anything or, or i'm just waiting like you know to like i'm a fraud or something like that it's, yeah. just, it's just weird because you know i've had a little bit of college i've had some some chemistry and stuff nothing related to what i do but it's so this is like I, weird. I really believe this like uh, people that are afraid to try things because they don't know enough no one knows enough yeah oh, it's no one knows what they're doing like everybody just has like good guesses and they've learned a few things and yeah you know but you know when we say yes to jobs sometimes like we don't like when we're starting we don't exactly know how we're going to do it yeah. we always figure it out yeah but and you're not going to let the client know. I mean, no, like, I mean the client's getting 100% of, you, yes, we can do that. Well, yes. you see, like, in, in Hollywood movies, like the big movies, not, you know, the ones that cost kajillions of dollars. Yeah. Every single time that they have a movie like that, there is something that the camera guys or the sound guys need yep. to figure out that has never been done before. So I was watching, uh, you know, it, it's like the Fast and the Furious scene where they the camera goes like through all of the windows as they're up at the line yeah well how did they do that like there isn't a camera you know it isn't a dude crawling through it's a drone no they built (laughs) they they built a a dolly oh really and they they put a camera on a long piece of metal you know that had just sent it through and but the metal had to be such that it wouldn't vibrate so it had to be extremely stiff metal and then they just send it through and the actors had to like as as the camera hit here, they had to like turn their head as Look as it got to go by. So That's like cool they had shit. like a mark that when the camera hit here, they turned their head so it could. I mean, yeah. That's cool. But somebody had to figure that. It had never been done before. Yeah. But if if the director's That's like, really I neat. want this shot, then talented people need to figure it out. So yeah. there's always, well, you know, it, you know, you can like fear. When I started ear candy. I didn't have a fear. I had no idea what I was getting into. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, that was just youthful and ignorance. It was just but it, stupid luck that the car audio started yeah. booming. But I bet you thought more about the coffee shop. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's um, because you see there's a <clears throat> there's a company, there's one here in Raleigh, uh, Stockton Graham, and, and they help people open up coffee shops. They, they stock them and they roast their coffee and all that stuff. And uh, there was another one in um, Greensboro called Fortuna. And Fortuna does everything like from the ground up. They'll build the furniture, they'll design the shop, whatever you want. You just provide the space, and of course, you've got to pay them to do mm. all this. And everything that was at the shop, you know, it was all used. I got from an auction. I knew how to work on shit, and if I didn't, I would take it apart and figure it out. I just don't. A lot of people aren't like that, and I don't. It's hard for me to understand. Um, and my daughters are. Um, they have became that way. Where my youngest daughter, her seat screwed up in her Volvo, and She's like, my seat quit working, and I found out that the part to fix it is like this much on eBay, or I can go to um, the dealer, JKQ yeah. Salvage, and I can just buy a whole other seat uh. for this. And I was like, and for, I had to step back, and I was like, she gets it, she gets that's it. Cool. So, mm -hmm. and I was like, well, that's whatever you want to do, baby girl. You know, if you need help, I'll help you. But um, people aren't. They're not like that anymore. They're, They're not like, like that anymore. People don't want to know like, yeah. how things work. They just it's want just to make crazy. sure that it works. Well, I mean, you know, as a kid growing up, like, you know, my, uh, I, you know, if, if one of the cars broke down, my dad, you know, would be like, hey, come with me. We'd take the other car. Yeah. We'd go to a salvage yard, you know, and, you know, like, I don't know how many times we we weren't like digging for alternators yeah. you know or like whatever whatever yeah. it was that the car needed mm -hmm. you yeah, know and like you know and my dad would be buying these parts for you know five bucks ten bucks or whatever whereas they would have been a hundred bucks yeah, and it's yeah. like and and then he's doing the work and i'm you know i'm under the car with him doing the you know helping you yeah. know like holding that light holding the light <laughs> Yeah, Open yeah, hand that. No, not that one. That's a socket. You know. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, 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 that yeah. Was, yeah. But that was, you know, so same thing with like, you know, I mean, my dad did all the electrical in our house. My dad did yeah. the plumbing in our house, you know, and like sheetrock, uh, you know, taking out the old horsehair plaster and putting in sheetrock, yeah. you know, like yeah. these are things that this is how I grew up. And so. It's funny because I can still do these things. Like, yeah. I can work on a car. I can work on a house. I can, you know, I don't do it as much anymore because I don't, I don't have time. It's not my preference. Yeah. But And if you can afford to pay somebody to do it, pay somebody to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes it's like, yeah, I can fix it. <laughs> but I don't it, want to. I don't that. have well, I, I do. Time. I do the math in my head. I yeah. look at it because no job ever goes smooth. I don't care what it is. You can think it's the same. Oh, this is easy. This will mm. take me an hour. I've never yeah. had Six a project. Six hours later. I've never had a project take the hour yeah. that I thought. For years, if you were blind or visually impaired, it was extremely difficult to traverse the internet. Enter Clusive. Clusive is a skill-based trainer led by people with visual impairment. Put another way, it's literally the blind leading the blind to ensure that the visually impaired have a better life. Visit clusiv.org for more information today. That's clusive.org. All right. Okay. We got we got to, we got to wrap this up cuz we've been going for a Bakery. long Bakery. long period. I know. I know Hollywood. Don't forget that. You get a very short period of time Sweet. to tell us 
how you went from coffee maker just coffee. to baker. Um, well, it just we had a uh, a local bakery. So we were sourcing our um, baked goods, scones, and um, you know just savory and sweet stuff from uh, a local uh, bakery. Who it was a marine and his wife, so we had the the veteran tie in with that. We did that for uh, about two years, and the uh, the gentleman he had started a church up in the mountains. The church took off, so they came and said, "We're trying to sell the bakery because we're going to be moving to the mountains." So far, everybody that's been interested, it's fell through. And uh, I said, "What do you want for the bakery?" And so they told me. I said, "Okay, we'll take the bakery." And I went just like the coffee shop. Except you, Carrie was in the back, and I went in the back. And I said, "We're buying the bakery," and she said, "Okay." So she took the bakery. So she runs um, the bakery. She runs the bakery. We just went. Uh, it was a. They lived over in Elon. They had converted their garage to a commercial kitchen. We went over. We got all the equipment, and just moved it over, uh, and still stayed under that um, the agriculture um, deal with uh, you know the food. And um, we can't, uh, like, make hot hot meals or anything like that. Maybe a, later on, but not now. So we started, uh, and at that time we had, uh, the bakery had uh, a coffee shop in Elon at the university, one in Mebane, and then a little restaurant uh, a couple miles down the street from the coffee shop. We kept those, and we were still supplying, and, and we thought because we were, kind of a competitor with them that we would lose those clients but we didn't they actually tripled their orders the first month we had taken it over and then the next month the orders tripled even more because my wife was just going in and adding things and um so is she the better business person i think as far as tweaking on the food stuff yeah yeah she she's just because she liked it. She liked doing that. Um, and she loves coffee. Like, I always rely on her on the tasting and everything of the coffee. Um, it, it just, the the way it was going, She I don't want to knock the people who had the bakery before us. It was almost like they had fallen into a pattern. And so when you would get some of their items, they might not be as fresh. Whereas mm. when, uh, it, when we took it over. It, it's totally reasonable. Like, I don't feel like... Like, the peak of Ranger Up for me was right before the movie. That's where, like, I felt like I was at my best. And then after the movie, I was always thinking about how do I do my next movie or how do I do my next thing. And, and like, um, I wasn't as fixated on being the best apparel company I could be. Like, you get tired. Yeah, it is. It's it's emotionally, not not really physically, but the emotional part of it is exhausting, which in turn yeah, and it sounds exhausts like you physically. It sounds like their heads were on the church yeah. and on their, their new and, life. Uh, and great, great yeah. people. Yeah. Um, but uh, she, she had, we, of course, we own all the recipes now, and there were recipes that weren't being made. So Carrie's like, we could do these. And so everything was fresh. Mm. Everything that was made that day went out that day. Um, and it just, business kept increasing. And course then we we hit the um the delivery fees increasing where gas you know skyrocketed 
and we were delivering. We, we didn't charge any fees or anything, but we were looking at maybe having to. And her only requirement was that they needed to call her and tell her, this is what we're out of, this is what we need. And they wouldn't do it in a timely manner. They would wait till 8 or 9 o'clock that night for what they wanted to be delivered at 6 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And Carrie's like, I, I'm, I'm tired of that. Because sometimes she would have to go back to the shop and start baking things. And uh, she just, she said, I think we need to cut off everybody that we're supplying <coughs> except for um, the restaurant. <coughs> and I was like, it's your baby, you know, whatever you think. <coughs> so she gave them 30 days notice, say, we're, we're not going to be supplying you after this date. So we brought everything where it's all available in the coffee shop. And it's like just shot up. Business. It never went down. It just kept going up. And it, it allowed her to be even more creative and, and make some different things. And uh, she likes experimenting. And she'll and make good something. For her. Yeah, she'll make something and she'll run it out. And there's always a local, uh, always a, a regular in there. And she'll come over to him. She says, "Hey, would you try this?" And they'll give her feedback, and and or she'll put samples up on the counter. People eat it, and they'll give us feedback. So it's like immediate. Yeah. You know, we go back. So she likes doing it, and she's she's an early riser. She's up at three o'clock in the morning, and she's there, and I'll amble in at eight ish. <laughs> so and. You know, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's awesome, and uh, it's it's been fun. So tell everybody where they can find your coffee, where they can find your baked goods. Where do um, they get this stuff? The the coffee you can get online. It's coffeecrafted.com. Um, at the that's the, coffeecrafted.com. Yes, the uh, coffee shop is at thirty three twenty one South Church Street in Burlington, North Carolina. Um, the bakery is there. We don't sell anything online with the bakery, Boo. but uh, pretty much everything's available. We're open 6 to 6 Monday through Saturday, and Sunday's 8 to 3, um, and it's just a blast. I mean, it's don't don't come in thinking it's an average coffee shop. It's, it's, it's not. It's above average. I'm still learning every day, so it's, um, it's pretty cool. All right, here we go. Oh, what we got? As you it's know, we've got the oh, we've got the the, the rapid fire questions. Question. The first question, sir, what is the toughest animal you think you could defeat in hand to hand combat? Oh, you didn't even read that. I know. Oh, I never read that. We ask this to everyone. That's I thought of you know I was thinking about this. I said they're going to ask me that damn animal question. Literally <laughs> ask everybody. So yeah, I think I could I could safely take two feral cats. Two feral. Two cats. of them. All right. Two of them. What fictional character? are you most like? Well, what what fictional character would I most like to be like? Um, no, which one are you most like? These are rapid-fire questions, sir. They're not think-about-it-for-a-long-time questions. <laughs> this is going to be all. Magnum P.I. Magnum P.I. it is. When I think you and I, th- I think Magnum P.I. <laughs> I, was, I the, was listening to Jack Carr on the way up What here. was the worst <laughs> piece of advice you got when you started your startup? The worst piece of advice? Yep. Um, oh, you, you should franchise. If you could invite three people to dinner, living, dead, fiction, nonfiction, who would they be? Um, my mom, Winston Churchill. And um, 
probably my great grandfather. I've never met him, but I've seen pictures and and everybody. He's a pretty cool dude. Very cool. cool guy. How many seven year olds do you think you could fight off before they'd overpower you? Four. That's not a lot of seven year olds. No. It's not. <laughs> What's your go to karaoke song? Uh, when the shark bites. And uh, we're gonna need ten seconds of Fuck. you singing. I was afraid of that. Okay. When the shark bites with his sharp teeth and he keeps them. You remember Steve Martin? You said, pearly white. And I can't remember. The rest That's pretty good. Hey, I'm going to take that. That's some of the best work the we've best had. best work we've had. What's been the favorite book you've read in the last six months? Um, the one I'm reading right now, uh, Only the Dead, Jack Carr. That's great. Yeah. I'm at the where he got the 308 uh, Ferrari. Don't ruin, don't ruin it for people. I'm <laughs> not ruining it. Don't ruin you it. Know, <laughs> you, know, you had a chance to say scars and stripes. Way to not bring it. No, it's okay. No, no, no. Yeah, okay, I'll tell you what. When Tim Kennedy starts drinking Salvation Coffee, that's when I'll mention this fucking book. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Nick. <laughs> What's your guilty pleasure or something you're embarrassed to admit you like? Shit. I like... Um, Big butts, but I, I cannot lie. lie. No, you um, can't deny. I, I, I do like anybody um, wasting a round thing in your old school. Um, old school uh, uh, disco music. Okay, you know, the BGS. All right, um, some of the new shit too. We know how to do it. What's the next one? I don't even know what the lyrics are. I just, yeah. What would, what would be your weapon of choice in a zombie apocalypse? Oh damn, a 1911. All right. Uh, apparently, he only wants to kill like a handful of zombies. Yeah, <laughs> eight at a time. Uh, name your top three favorite types of cars. I like how he he said eight because he's got one in the pipe. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. The top. My top three yeah. cars. Um, well, that Ferrari 308, mm. the Magnum PI one. It's a great one. Um, uh, and Humvee and a 911. Nice. What's one job no one could pay you enough to do? President. <laughs> what celebrity would you most like to switch lives with? Nobody. Okay, Absolutely. but you have to pick one. Oh, okay. Um, We're not saying you want to switch lives. The Brad of the Pit. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, it's yeah. hard to hard to Homer argue. Keanu Reeves he's had a he's had a good run. Yeah, he's had a good <laughs> run. Uh, what's been your favorite age so far? I'm gonna do some math on that. No, one. no, quick. Uh, when did I turn? <laughs> when I hit whatever age I was, uh, twenty. <laughs> 15. Terrible. I think it was terrible. 48. Terrible. 48. It's just terrible. Worst answer ever. <laughs> What's so. the most interesting place you've been so far? Is your final question, sir. Most interesting place I've been so far. Enemy um, territory. Had apparently. to have been a church in Schweinfurt. Um, you know, it, cool. I don't think I've ever I've been anywhere that was quite a lab. I thought you were going to say when you when you were accidentally over the Hollywood. Over what the is line. it? You're trying to end this <laughs> show. I know. Before you close out, you should give us a minute of how awesome your wife is and how important she's been to you. 
You really want those oatmeal cream pies, don't you? I'm just telling you, you, you leave that out. Yeah, that's Hollywood's she guilty is. pleasure right yes. there. Um, my wife, Carrie, she is awesome. She, um, you know, it's, it's funny because my mom introduced us when uh, I came home on leave. And uh, as soon as I get off the plane, 13 hours, you know, she's like, I got somebody I want you to meet. So we go straight to Bojangles where my mom was managing. Miss Carrie Bo made biscuits. Jangles. And uh, I met her. I was like, okay, can I go home now? And Carrie thought I was an asshole. And I thought <laughs> she had a nice ass. And so I used the, <laughs> it was Christmas time. I used the excuse like, hey, um, you want to go with me so I can find my mom a Christmas gift? And I think we went and saw Eddie Murphy Raw. That was our first movie we went to. And she still hits me up with that. You took me to see Eddie Murphy Raw. That was yeah. our first movie. And that was, like, that was spicy back in the oh, day. Oh, yeah. 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 That was, like, I mean, it, actually, if you watch it now, I watched it recently. And you could never do it now. No. No. no, no. Never. No comedian could do that now. They would be screwed. But she, um, yep. she's, she's, she's my, my sun, my moon, my stars. I mean, she... She corrects me if I'm being a butthole. Um, I don't think our kids would be alive today if it wasn't for her. Um, well, I mean, after that kind of comes with that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, propose? let me explain yeah. how the birthing process Either works. Either that or it's like, what kind of danger are you putting your kids into? <laughs> it wasn't anything. Um, I think we were both working in a place that sold water treatment systems. Carrie's just as big a hustler as I am. And I think I just knelt down right then in front of everybody and said, "Hey, will you marry me?" The we old, had, the, old water, the old water, the old water treatment, the old water treatment engagement. It's a picturesque. If, yeah. background. if I've heard it once, I've heard it a yeah. thousand times. And on <laughs> so, that note, on that note, it. Jim Young, Salvation Coffee. It has been. Sponsor. It has been not, not a, spo a sponsor. Not a sponsor, even though we're drinking his coffee yeah. out of his cups. <laughs> Jim Young, thank you so much for being on the show. It has been an almost Smitrovich affair. Smitrovich. Smitrovich is, I believe, the was it? He's the record holder right now, right? Bill Smitrovich is the record holder for longest podcast. Not Davies. Wow. And uh, and we tried, you know, Jim Young tried to pull a Smitrovich, but oh, we're not letting it happen. Damn it! Because I'm looking out for you, Bill. Have a good time, guys. We'll see, see you next you, Bill. week. <laughs>